keep your eye on the ball. Let the ball be in the middle of the stance. There you go. Keep your eye on the ball and just swing. <laughs> Smack that thing, bro. Put your soul into it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, full swing. Get a full practice swing, yeah, Wes. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. do a full yeah. practice yeah. swing. Real practice bro, swing. Brush the floor. It's about to go. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's a lot of power, bro. Okay. He's aimed at the water, though. Aim him left, Wes. That's all right. He's going to hook it. He's going to hook it. Look at his feet. His feet. His feet. <laughs> all right, here we go. Here we go. Inaugural tee shot. Yo, yo! Yeah! Yo, you made eye contact with me in your backswing, bro. Why do you want to see what I... Oh my goodness. You wanted to see what I was thinking? Whoa, 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 Wes, what are you doing? Oh, Here we go. Yes, yes, come on, baby. Oh, it's practicing. Oh, oh, don't look up. Just keep your eye on the whole time. ESPN Plus, alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar. It is CONCACAF Nations League Finals Week. Herc, are you ready? Fight week. Of course I'm ready. You know this. USA-Mexico coming up on Thursday. Uh, what did we think there of Bellerin Balligan's backswing? Herc, his golf game. I know you're big into golf now that you're retired. Uh, yes, I think the Travis Scotts he was wearing were nice, uh, according to producer oh. Beto, who's a sneakerhead. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, like, this guy grew up in England. I thought that I thought like people in England, golf was like part of a national sport. Leave the hack swinging to me, blow. Mm -hmm. Yes, you mentioned producer Beto. He's also a big golf guy, so maybe we'll have to get his take on the on the backswing there. From you don't want to hear Plenty what he said. To to work on his uh, on his backswing later this summer. The focus, uh, obviously, for the next few days, going to be the Mexican national team. We got lots coming up in this show, including pressure mounting on Diego Coca. We'll talk about that. Ahead of the game on Thursday, we got a U.S. Gold Cup roster to react to, Herc. You've been very active on Twitter discussing the Gold Cup roster. Greg Berhalter linked to Liga MX. Uh, I'm sure that'll draw some fireworks from both sides of the conversation. We will also be checking in on MLS and the National Women's Soccer League. Jeff Kasouf uh, going to join us a little bit later on in this show. But let's start, Herc, with the U.S. men's national team training in your hometown of Las Vegas. Preparations underway for the United States as they get set to face off against Mexico Thursday night in the CONCACAF Nations League semis. Other semifinal, Canada-Panama, that one earlier on Thursday. U.S. under interim manager B.J. Callahan looking to punch their ticket to Sunday's final as well as make it six straight games and five straight competitive matches unbeaten against Mexico. Thrilled now to welcome into Football Americas the goalie for the U.S. men's national team in Arsenal in the Premier League, Matt Turner. Matt, welcome back to the show. Great to have you. Yeah, it's good to be back on. It's good to be back on. So as we mentioned, uh, not your first visit to Football Americas. In fact, I think the first time we had you on was way back in 2021, the early days of Matt Turner on the national team. But we have not had you on since the World Cup. So I want to know, what was the experience like of being the number one for the U.S. at the World Cup? And how has it changed your life, your career, all that? Well, it was uh, an absolute whirlwind. It was just the stuff dreams made of. And I feel like I was so hyper-focused for so long 
to get to that point, uh, I really just enjoyed every moment while I was there and I felt like I represented myself and my family, but more importantly, you know, the United States of America proudly, you know, on the world stage. So it was a huge honor, um, the biggest one of my career for sure. And I don't know if my life has changed too much since then. Yeah, I'd probably get recognized a few more times uh, than I used to, but you know, I'm still the same me. I'm still the same hungry athlete that just wants to continue to compete and achieve more and more. I thought maybe after the World Cup, I'd feel a little bit you know, satisfied, but it just made me hungrier for more. Well, on the field, you were a massive story. First goalkeeper since like the 30s to register two clean sheets at a World Cup. Off the field, there was also another big story involving the Reynas, the uh, Berhalters. I don't really want to get into that. I want you to tell me how the team has been able to move on from that. Like what's been the key for you guys to move on from that? I think the thing that we hold true to ourselves is our anchors and stuff that we can always you know, fall back on and our relationships and uh, our close connections is probably the biggest strength that this team has. Um, nobody really understands what it's like to be a U.S. men's national team player like a U.S. US men's national team player. So uh, when all that noise is circling around the outside and the vultures are trying to pick you apart, um, it just makes us stronger and, and closer together. The vultures, Herky, called you a vulture. Did you hear that? He's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, it's not every day that we get a, uh, an American who has the perspective that you have on the Premier League title race. Uh, you know, just what, a, what an opportunity for you to be on Arsenal on this magical season. You guys are right there up until the end competing against Manchester City. Take us inside the title race with Arsenal in the Premier League and what that experience was like from your perspective. It was an amazing experience. You know, I feel like I learned so much throughout the, throughout the season. And I feel like we had guys that were playing at such a high level for so long. And not only the guys in the locker room, but what it takes on the club side um, from the physios, um, the massage therapists, the chefs, the coaching staff, the player liaisons, every little bit is just firing on all cylinders. And and I will say about the club in general is from the outside, you think it's this massive club and it's just a machine. And I think I was sort of worried about that when I was coming into it. And when I got there, you know, you sort of realize when you get behind the doors that it's a family run sort of business and people that work in that building have been working there for 30 years and um, they really take an interest in your family life and making sure everybody feels super welcome and at home and I think that that was such a, a blessing and I think that that's a huge strength of, of ours at Arsenal. You know Matt I feel like last year one of the major talking points when it came to the U.S. men's national goalkeeper position was the amount of club games they would play. I felt like literally yesterday it was Casey Keller, Sebastian and I talking about um, Zach Steffen's role at City and not getting enough games. And I was to the point of saying, it doesn't matter for a goalkeeper. I don't think goalkeepers are human. Casey was like, no, you need to stay sharp. It's very different. You can't mimic those in a training session. You played five games in the Europa League with Arsenal. Now you guys are going to be in the Champions League. Uh, give me your overall thoughts on if that'll keep you sharp enough or if you think you need more games. Yeah, I think it'll keep me, keep me sharp enough. I think I proved that at the World Cup. I only had, I think, five games or six games maybe right leading into the World Cup, and I did really well. And I think for me the biggest thing is 
I know who I am as a goalkeeper. So it's different than being 20, 21, 22, 23 years old and being in that position versus being nearly 29 and having gone through loads of experiences, um, you know, sort of as a player and as a human being, really. So I know who I am. And I think that for me, you know, training and hopefully playing more games at the highest level possible uh, has been really helpful to me. And I think I've shown it in my national team performances. And as you know, I obviously want to play more. It's no secret. I've been pretty open about that. But, um, you know, when you're competing with a guy like Aaron, you know, day in and day out, um, it's pretty tough. But I feel like, you know, he's pushed me to be a better goalkeeper. And I feel like I've done the same for him. Let's move on from your club situation. Talk a little bit about this game on Thursday night against Mexico. You look at the history, at least the recent history. It's all on your side uh, of this rivalry. Five straight unbeaten against Mexico, four straight unbeaten in competitive matches. Do you feel like the favorites heading into Thursday night? I think you guys are asking the wrong guy that you know the answer that's coming. I never feel like a favorite. I don't even necessarily feel like I'm the out and out number one for the national team. I always feel like I have something to prove. I always want to take things one step further. So yes, we've had a good run of form against Mexico recently, um, but all the gloves come off in a semifinal. It doesn't matter who we're playing against, you know, anything can happen. So I look forward to it. It's only going to be my personally, my second time playing against Mexico, but luckily it's at a familiar venue for me. You know, it's funny you say you don't feel like the clear-cut number one. I remember you last year on this show, you made a point to mention that it was Zach who got those games. He got the big games. Uh, you're going to be the guy getting this big game, and that's what we all think will happen. It's a massive rivalry. Just what's at stake for you personally and the team with the rivalry in this region? Again, I think, you know, you look at it as a semifinal and, and Mexico's the team that we have to play to reach the final and get to our ultimate goal. Um, it means a lot to me to be a part of the national team to represent us uh, when we go up against Mexico. I think um, those are the types of games that you want to be in as a player. And when I was sort of starting my fandom of, of U.S. men's soccer, uh, you know, we, we always you always tune in for those games for sure. So it's. Uh, really exciting to be able to be a part of one of them, and uh, I look forward to hopefully writing more history. Matt, how does this team stack up against the team that we saw at the World Cup? It is a lot of the same pieces. There's an obvious, you know, absence in a guy like Tyler Adams, but there's a change as well in the in the technical area, right? We got B.J. Callahan now in charge of the team. So, how is this group maybe different from what we saw back in Qatar? I, if I was you guys, I would expect to see a lot of the same in terms of uh, tactically. Um, we know what, what works for our side and, you know, we're not really going to change too, too much from that. Um, and, you know, BJ's done a great job sort of coming in and setting the expectation for the players in, in camp and guys have been locked in, dialed in. And I just feel like there's been a really good aura around the team and the ball's been popping and it felt like once we landed and touched down in Vegas, you could just sort of see the switch flip in a lot of people and they started to get that twinkle in their eye and, and are, are looking forward to the game and, and understand the task at hand. And I think overall you think about guys getting more and more experiences at the club level and just growing up. I mean, these guys, there's so many kids on this team. Um, they're going to get more mature and, and become better players with their experiences. You said it. You're no longer that player who's 21, 22, 23 years old. You're coming into your own at 29. You play in the Premier League World Cup experience. Your opinion carries a lot of weight. What does Matt Turner want to see in the next U.S. Men's National Team coach? 
So obviously for me, it's, um, just somebody that's going to allow us to be ourselves and express ourselves. But obviously it's just any coach. That's what you want. You want the ability to express yourselves and selfishly. I want him to want to call me in as many times as possible. So, um, I think it's as, you know, as a national team, um, you know, the USMNT is, it's a different, it's a different breed. Um, you know, you have such a large player pool, um, from various playing backgrounds. So somebody that can manage that, that respects MLS, um, that respects, uh, the young players. And I think that, you know, it's been over the last few years, we've done a good job of integrating all that into one culture. And so hopefully more of the same in that sense. But again, um, I'm just a player. And, uh, it's up to the big dogs to make the, to make the decision. And from there, I'm going to give it my best to be on the pitch as much as possible. The big dogs, the guys in the suits going to have to take the decisions. All right. There he is. Uh, Matt Turner. Good luck on Thursday night against Mexico. Great to have you here on football Americas. All right. Unlike Mexico, us not playing any friendlies in the lead up to nations league instead taking part in a couple behind closed doors scrimmages out in California. Some video from those scrimmages has leaked. Uh, these are from the games against UPSL side flash FC. UPSL is the fourth tier for those keeping track. And from the video, many are speculating about the potential us lineup against Mexico. And by many speculating, I mean many online, but also our producer, producer Beto, he, he was fine tooth comb looking over that video. Here's what we've come up with. The projected 11 versus Mexico under BJ Callahan. Uh, it looks like it'll be a change of formation, Herc. Of course, a 4-3-3 we saw at the World Cup, maybe a 4-2-3-1 now without Tyler Adams. We got Balogun over Pepe up top, Rain away and Polisic in behind that. Uh, also projecting a center back duo of Walker Zimmerman and Chris Richards in front of the man we just heard from, Matt. Turner. Herc, you look at that 11. Is it the right lineup to field versus Mexico on Thursday night in Vegas? Well, let's start with the formation. There are no surprises, right? Uh, Greg Berhalter played a similar formation. Anthony Hudson, you would imagine. B.J. Callahan would do the exact same thing as the two before him because that was part of his makeup, part of his setup. So, okay. I mean, there's no way they move away from this formation. B.J. Callahan wouldn't do that, right? That that would be something very interesting. This so, is different from the World Cup, right? I mean, this is your 4-2-3-1, not your 4-3-3. Maybe that's necessitated well, by I'll, Tyler I'm Adams, talking about the but back it's a line. significant. I'm talking about the back line. Okay. Um, but in the midfield is what I wanted to get at. This is where I see a few things. Um, it's that double pivot. It's mm -hmm. not having Tyler Adams and the necessity that Tyler Adams is to the U.S. men's national team, how important he is. We saw in the two games versus, I believe it was Granada, and then it was uh, El Salvador um, in, in the States. They struggled. Weston McKinney and Yunus Musa uh, together lacked the bite and the tactical discipline that a lone pivot like Tyler Adams can give you, the flexibility they can give you. Gio Reyna in, in front of them, that didn't work out too well. Um, I would assume it would still be Gio Reyna in the middle and Christian Pulisic out wide. That's my worry is the midfield. And then the other worry is if it's Walker Zimmerman. Listen, mm -hmm. Walker Zimmerman, he was with the team in the World Cup, but he's got all of 61 minutes since, since April. He's been injured. So coming back with only two cameo appearances with Nashville, 61 minutes worth of cameo appearances into the biggest game of their year, Right now, in Las Vegas, with that heat, with the conditions, with the opponent, that's a very risky thing if that is the route that B.J. Callahan is going. You mentioned the, 
the back line, which from what we see here appears to be a back four. That's what we saw almost exclusively under Greg Berhalter. We know that Mexico, we know that Diego Coca likes to play with three at the back. Herc, you talk about tactics, and we heard this come up a lot during the World Cup, the idea of mirroring your opponent. Sometimes I think if you do that, you say, hey, our opponent's better than us, and we have to adjust what we do to accommodate what they do. I don't know that the U.S. should necessarily feel like that against Mexico, but could you see B.J. Callahan maybe considering three at the pack in an attempt to neutralize what Mexico's doing? Yeah, I don't think you do that when you think somebody's superior to you. I think you do that when the coach wants to mess with the other coach. I play for Tuca Ferretti, and Tuca Ferretti's a legend of Mexican football, Mm -hmm. and he didn't feel inferior to anybody, and he would literally tell us to mirror the first five minutes of the game, Mm -hmm. the opponent, to see what the opponent did tactically. And oftentimes, they got so out of whack, we had endless opportunities. Uh, it was also Tigres, and it was mm-hmm. you know, a very rich roster, if you will. Uh, but it would strike me very odd if, that's, if we don't see, and Matt Turner mentioned it as well, we're going to see a lot of the same. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's Greg Berhalter, the same group with Greg Berhalter, and then it was Anthony Hudson who was under Greg Berhalter with the same group that Greg Berhalter had, and now it's B.J. Callahan who was under Greg Berhalter and Anthony Hudson with this very same group, just the addition of, you know, Fuller and Balligan. So I think we're going to see much of the same. If he changed it, I would be very surprised. You talk about the potential problems for the U.S. in that lineup. What's the biggest problem that you think that lineup creates for Mexico? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, what I saw out of, and listen, you mentioned Diego Coca's five-man back line that, yes, mm-hmm. he uses a lot with Atlas. He used it a lot in his league games. He used it a lot with a club team. He's only used it twice with the Mexican national team. And both times they weren't very convincing with the line of three center backs and the spaces those well, wing backs will afford you. Those are massive spaces for a team like the U.S. men's national that can thrive in transition, I think those spaces are going to hurt Mexico if they're there for them. That's why I don't know why you would even consider mirroring them. I, I think the way you're set up could present them some problems in transition. Good start to our preview. We will continue our preview on Thursday's show where we will be on uh, before the United States and Mexico right here on ESPN+. Plus. Here's a look at the recent history between these two. And it's been all U.S. men's national team. The last time Mexico won, September 2019. The last time Mexico won a competitive match over the U.S. was the summer of that year in the Gold Cup final. All told, El Tri have won just four of the last 15 games in this series. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Speaking of Mexico, taking on Cameroon in an international friendly 
Saturday night, San Diego, California, Snapdragon Stadium. Not the biggest crowd. Eight minutes in, chance for Cameroon. Luis Malagón with the big save. Yeah, but Cameroon getting some chances in the box. There are two players, uh, don't turn your back. Then in between, uh, it's just way too easy. And you mentioned the sparse crowd at, at this stadium, Snapdragon, really surprised me. Late first half, Cameroon gonna strike. Oliver Kemen, the assist to Brian Bueno. Okay, we need to go back to when Luis Romo loses the ball in a very precarious position. And Nestor Araujo, an experienced center back, tries to anticipate, does not do it well, and then the goal happens. First half, stoppage time, Mexico on the board. Israel Reyes, the assist from Roberto de la Rosa. The center back looking like a number nine, but watch this little flick right there from Roberto de la Rosa. Behind the back, just knows he's there. Good touch and then a good goal. Into the second half, Cameroon gonna go back in front through a disaster here from Malagón. Oh, wow. I mean, Malagón's had a monster year with Club América, but not his finest hour here. A routine play for any goalkeeper at almost any level and makes a meal of it. Carl Toco and Gambi makes it 2-1 to Cameroon. Mexico trying to find a late equalizer. 83rd minute, Diego Lainez. The shot on that left foot swatted away by the Cameroonian goalie. Yeah, I don't know what the goalkeeper was doing, but either way, Diego Lainez just seems to get himself in dangerous positions and creates havoc. You wonder why he doesn't play more. Late on, stoppage time. Mexico do find their equalizer. Henry Martin, Kevin Alvarez. I mean, the weight of the ball right here by Henry Martin in between two players is just chef's kiss. Ridiculous. And then Jesus Martinez making more business with Kevin Alvarez. Game finishes 2-2. Speaking of Jesus Martinez, after the game, he had some interesting comments about Diego Coca's future. Let's listen in. Pues no lo podremos evaluar, ¿verdad? Todavía no podemos evaluarlo. Ahorita vienen las evaluaciones, ¿verdad? Ahorita viene lo fuerte, ¿verdad? Que son los partidos oficiales, ¿verdad? Ya los partidos amistosos y todo eso. ¿verdad? Yo lo que sí hubiera querido, ¿verdad? Este, pues que estos partidos este, sirvieran un poquito más, ¿me entiendes? Para, para tener a los jugadores que iban a... Que teníamos esa ventaja de que Estados Unidos no tuvo partidos amistosos y nosotros sí teníamos dos partidos amistosos. Yo pienso que se tenía que aprovechar un poquito más, pero hay que respetar lo que está haciendo ahorita tanto Davino como Diego. ¿verdad? Hay que respetarlos mucho. ¿verdad? Ellos traen su, su plan y su proyecto y ojalá y Dios quiera y, y nos vaya muy bien, ¿verdad? porque todo el aficionado es lo que quiere. ¿eh? Que le ganemos a los Estados Unidos y que ganemos las Copas de Oro y que le ganemos a Canadá. Jesús Martinez, of course, an owner of multiple teams in Liga MX, a power player in Mexican soccer. Are his comments something, nothing, or everything when it comes to Coca's future in charge of El Tri? Well, it's everything on many levels. It's everything we already knew because we had mentioned this last episode. Like those games, instead of playing alternate liners, which is Guatemala and Cameroon, maybe against Guatemala you use a more first-team lineup that you would have seen against the United States men's national team. A chance to prepare, if you will, a dry run, because as Jesus Martinez rightfully points out, that's something the U.S. didn't get a chance to do, have a competitive game. Uh, but that's not the case here. You evaluate players who, quite frankly, won't even be there for Nations League and won't be there for Gold Cup. So what's the use of that? And it's also everything 
because of who says it. It's not just any owner. It's a big deal that it's an owner, but it's this owner. It's the agent of change, Jesus Martinez. It's the one guy that really wants to see this project, I would say, fail, so then his project can flourish. And I say that in the most respectful way because yeah. waiting out in the wings is Guillermo Almada, his man. Waiting out in the wings was Marcelo Bielsa, the guy that he was lining up. So he mentioned Davino. He mentioned Diego Coca, not his guys. Tulio Davino has a three-month contract. Okay, this uh, Federation official has a three-month contract to see this project go through. Why is it three months, Sebi? Why is it three months? Because if it doesn't go well this summer, chow, you're gone. And guess who could go with him? Diego Coca. Mm. Yeah, when he says there that he's already kind of questioning the methods, I find that interesting, right? For, I wouldn't give it an everything. I would give it a something because I think we have to take what Jesus Martinez says here with a grain of salt because of the politics, right? You guys remember we talked about it. he was one of the guys, a heavy hitter in Mexican soccer, but that was left off the Federation's national team committee. And as you said, he basically came out in the press and said, I had Bielsa ready to go, right? I had this guy ready to go. And y'all went with Diego Coca, who was definitely, you know, not his guy. So I see this as him more saying, kind of putting pressure on Coca down the road and saying, if this goes wrong, the guys who disagreed with me are going to have some pretty serious egg on their face. What we are hearing from down in Mexico, Herc, is that Coca has to, has to win at least one of these two tournaments. If it's not the Nations League, it's the Gold Cup, especially with the roster that we see uh, coming out from the United States, not going to take their best team to the Gold Cup. So the pressure really is on here. And Herc, when I think about it, we just asked Matt Turner, you know, what's at stake? There's a huge opportunity here for the U.S. because if you win on Thursday, you could set a domino in motion where Mexican soccer could be rebuilding again in a few months. And if you can do that to your rival, boy, what an opportunity for the U.S. Mexico would be doing it to themselves. I mean, they, they hire the coach and then fire the president and then fire the sporting director and then hire that guy who then hires somebody else. And here we are asking about change and asking about if he's going to leave, Diego Coca being the guy who's going to leave, if he doesn't win one of these two tournaments. And I'll tell you what, I don't even know if winning one of these two tournaments will do it. Could you imagine if they lose to the U.S. men's national team, disastrous Nations League, and then go to the Gold Cup with their strongest team and maybe don't convince? And, right. and, and, and we've heard this many times. The pundits in Mexico are like one of the biggest mistakes was – Waiting and being patient with Tata Martino. Not pressing the eject button when you had the chance. They won't think twice about it this go-around. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of pressure already piling up on Diego Coca. And we haven't even had his first real big game in charge of the Mexican national team. Of course, USA-Mexico coming up. You know we got some trash talk going on between these two. A bit of it comes from Ricardo Pepe. Of course, Pepe coming off a strong second half of the season with Groningen in the Eredivisie. He's been linked most recently with the move to Feyenoord. Interesting to see what that means for Santiago Jimenez. For now, though, Pepe focused on the U.S. men's national team, who he was asked to compare with Mexico. Let's listen to what Ricardo Pepe had to say. Sí, creo que la verdad, este, tenemos calidad en el equipo. Este, obviamente, México es un, es un rival muy fuerte. Este, pero como equipo, creo que tenemos la calidad para salir, salir ahí en el, en el campo y mostrar lo mejor de nosotros. Somos más agresivos con el balón, tenemos más, más calidad. So creo que es importante salir allá en el campo con confianza. The U.S. has more quality than Mexico. Are we giving Ricardo Pepe a get lost or is he speaking some truth here, Herc? We're not giving him a, a get lost, no. And there is some truth to it here. 
Um, if you look at just the numbers, I mean, yeah, you've got more players in Europe. Your pool is stronger. That would prove to mm -hmm. have more quality, right? The thing here is, is that quality in a good moment, at its highest moment. Where is this pool at? Is it at its weakest? Yeah, it's probably at its weakest. And that's where maybe that quality doesn't matter because a team that's just a stronger team and maybe doesn't have more quality or the same numbers as you do in Europe can actually beat you because some of your players aren't impact players or aren't playing right now or are coming off uh, relegations. This all comes into effect, but what he's saying is true. I mean, it's just a simple numbers. The US, what, last Nations League? Uh, the two games there, they had one Major League Soccer player in their roster, and it was Miles Robinson. It's just a numbers game, but is that quality in its best moment, at the height of its pool? No, it's not. Herc, what would you rather have? What would make you feel more confident? Guys playing well, a la Mexico, or guys playing at bigger clubs, a la the U.S.? Well, who's playing well in Mexico? Because uh, we, we see this comparison all the time right now. It's Mexico's doing well, the U.S. is not doing so well. I, I think it's very 50-50 right now. Because if you look at, everybody points out Leeds got relegated, right? That's three players. Well, mm -hmm. two of Mexico's big players also got relegated, mm -hmm. right? Cesar Montes, Johan Vasquez, the future of the Mexican national team back line, right? Sure. So, so what I'm trying to get at here is you could say like, well, they're big players in the U.S. side, but they don't even play. All right. What's the counter to that on the Mexican side? I think it's very even in moment. Yeah. Uh, you know what I, I think here? I think there's, a, there's an opportunity. Could have created some bulletin board material for Mexico. I think they might see this. I don't know if it'll fire them up. But then I was thinking about the other side because we saw in the press conference today, I think it was Anthony Robinson, Jedi, was asked about it. And he said, go on, Pepe. Like, the American guys love that he's taking this stand. I, I, I assume it's going to go over well in, in the U.S. locker room, or even if it, if it fires up the Mexican dressing room a bit. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that the U.S. can say right now or the U.S. player pool can say right now that'll fire the Mexican mm. side up more than right. what they're already reading in the press about them. And that's why all last year we saw this kind of pug, uh, pull and, and tug uh, when it came to the relationship with the Mexican national team and its people and the, the pundits. Listen, man, um, this is a rivalry game. We saw it last year when Memo Ochoa was talking about the U.S. and MLS and we are the mirror that they, they, they want to see themselves in. It's part of this. But this messy, or this messy, excuse me, this Ricardo Pepe uh, little fragment, I don't think is enough to get them going. I think they're already fired up enough with what they've been hearing for the last 18 months. Yeah. As far as quality goes, quality is subjective. What's not is, is where you play. And generally, and obviously there are exceptions to this, um, better players play at better clubs and in better leagues. And you can't argue that the U.S. has not just more players at bigger clubs, but, you know, more players generally in Europe. Some of that is down to how business is done in Mexico. Uh, but you cannot argue that, that the U.S. just has players in way, way better places than the Mexican national team. I think the most diehard L3 fan would accept that, wouldn't you, Herc? Yeah, and it's not to their fault, as you mentioned, these business practices, but it is the way it is, and these numbers are just cold hard truths. I mean, yeah. I don't know where to go from there for what's, this. What's, I mean, what's the league that everybody holds up all the time? It's the Premier League, right? In the Premier League, every weekend, whatever game you turn on, you got an American somewhere. They're on the bench. They're in the starting lineup. Mexico, what do you got? You got Raul Jimenez not even on the bench at Wolves in the stands and now on his way out. So there you have. Producer Beto, uh, what was that? <laughs> Let's say uh, uh, Producer Beto says Raul Jimenez plays more than uh, Christian Pulisic, which uh, we'll have to look at the numbers. Uh, let's take a look at the odds for USA-Mexico. We were going to do the SPI, but the computers, they don't know anything. We know Vegas. Vegas knows what's up. 
Uh, first goal odds, Herc. What do you think of that? Anything, anything you like? An impromptu book it real quick. Yeah, it's one of these games where for first goal odds, you would have expected, because these games are usually set pieces, there to be a big player like a, uh, I don't know, Walker Zimmerman if he was starting, Ooh. or a Cesar Montes if you Weston will. Weston McKinney good in the air, yeah. There yeah. you go. That's what I was thinking for sure. Okay. All right, uh, looks like they think it will go under the uh, two and a half goals, so maybe don't expect. Fireworks on Thursday in Vegas. Big news out of Mexico this week. Her Julian Quinones, the 26-year-old Colombian-born attacker who's been lighting up Liga MX since he joined, well, for a while, but since he joined Atlas in 2021, has begun his naturalization process with an eye on a potential El Tri debut as soon as September of this year. Quinones has represented Colombia at the under-20 level, so that means he should have to file a one-time switch. Uh, he's been playing in Mexico since joining Tigres back in 2016. Quinones celebrating his citizenship on social media via Instagram. He, of course, played for L3 manager Diego Coca at Atlas, where the pair won two Liga MX titles together. Herc, what do you think? Is Julian Quinones the difference maker that L3 need? Yes, and he doesn't have to be the difference maker they need for him to be considered a Mexican player. Let's mm -hmm. get that straight right there. Uh, this man has, in 83 games without the last 36 goals, 12 assists, back-to-back -back championships with a team that hadn't won a final in over 70 years. Back-to-back -back championships. He's 26 years old, Seb. Mm -hmm. He's also got intangibles that nobody in the Mexican player pool even comes close to. That's a reality. Henry Martin may have been the MVP last season in Liga MX. But the best player, the best talent in Liga MX, hands down, Julian Quinones. This is a player that you don't see every day. Those attributes, those intangibles, I mean, physically, technically, nose for goal, can play as a second forward, can play as the forward on the wing. It gives you a different element. And guess what? Diego Coca knows him very well. Won back-to-back -back championships with him at Atlas. I repeat, Mexican papers, Mexican citizenship, he's a Mexican player. Yeah. He's been in Mexico since he was 18 years of age. Yeah. His wife is Mexican. His children are Mexican. He yeah. is Mexican. Yeah, I think once you get your citizenship, that's that's it. You know, if we're going to start ranking people on, on how Mexican you are, how American you are, you get into some pretty dangerous waters. But he has really, truly, Herc, only played professionally in Mexico. This is a guy who was made in Mexico. As you mentioned, arrives at Tigres as a teenager, ends up playing in the second division of Mexico. Levels he's up. become yeah. who he is through Mexican soccer. So he's absolutely kind of a product of Liga Mekki specifically. I think this is great, man. You, you talk about the, the, the characteristics of this player. Lethal, dangerous in front of goal, what Mexico has lacked, and then that speed. I like how you worded it. He may not have been the most valuable player, but he's the most dangerous. He's the best player. He's the best talent. He's the guy, when you watch Liga Mekis, that jumps off the screen for me. He is that guy that if I was an opposite coach, I would be worried the most about Julian Quinones. He is the guy who's going to hurt you. And hurt. what have we been saying about Mexico for the last year, year and a half, two years? They can dominate the ball all they want, but what they have not been able to do is hurt teams. This guy is danger. This guy is threat. Oh, September can't come soon enough. All we've heard, all we have heard recently, and especially when it came to the transfer of Kevin Alvarez from Pachuca to Club America, that was $11 million mm -hmm. reportedly, right? All we have heard is if Kevin Alvarez was $11 million, <laughs> what is yeah. Julian Quinones going to yeah. be? That's, that, that was the immediate response. What uh -huh. will Julian Quinones demand 
in the transfer markets yep. in Mexico, and it's going to be it's going to be up there for sure. I, I would expect anywhere from 17 plus. Yeah, Club America looking at uh, Quinones as well. Real quick, could you see anything like this happening with the U.S. and Major League Soccer? I'm thinking of a guy. The first name that popped up was like a Hani Mukhtar. Played youth national team with Germany. In a couple years, he will have been here five years. Do you think we'll see this in MLS? Because we've seen it quite a bit well, with the Mexican national honest? team and Liga Mekis in the past. I, guys I, like Senia, et cetera. Well, I thought, yes, Senia is a very good example. I thought we were already going to see it, see it excuse me, um, nah, with Tati Castellanos. Oh. Okay. I, I really ahead, sorry, thought we were What you say? No, I said Tillman. I thought you were going to say Tillman, but you said Castellanos. No, 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 no. Castell I really thought we were going to see it with Tati Castellanos. You know, and that would be the direct equivalent mm. of Julian Quinones, a guy who's dominating his league, a guy who's successful, a, a, a big name, with all re due respect to Tillman, but mm -hmm. that's, that's not him right now. That was Tati Castellanos, and he represented Argentina at the youth levels. Like, that's the guy that I thought had mm. a chance to do this, and then he ends up in La Liga scoring four goals against Real Madrid. There we go. Maybe an uh, Argentina senior national team call-up uh, in his not-too-distant Future. Uh, let's keep talking about Liga MX and Club América because they were involved there. A report from Gibran Araigev to the NA linking Greg Berhalter, who of course is still a candidate for the U.S. job, to the vacant managerial post at Club América. Berhalter has also been linked to one of his former clubs, Sparta Rotterdam in the Eredivisie. Araigev reporting that Berhalter is Club América's number one option. Andre Jardin of Atletico San Luis also linked to América. Are you uh, buying or selling Greg Berhalter as the right man for Club America? I'm selling Greg Berhalter as the right man for Club America, mm. but I am buying everything that comes with it. Let me, I am here for this. <laughs> I, I would absolutely love for Greg Berhalter to be the coach right. of Club America. Just, just to be clear, you're not saying this from an America perspective. You're saying this from a Vultures perspective, from a media perspective. No, no, I think this is groundbreaking. I really do. I mean, somewhere along the lines, the cables were crossed, and it was like, yo, homie, America wants you, to yo, homie, Club America wants you. <laughs> so I, I'm here for this. Hey, listen, never ever in the history of coaches mm -hmm. on the American side has anybody been linked to one of the biggest clubs in Mexico. That's, it's not happened. And all of a sudden you have the guy who a few months ago just months ago, mm -hmm. was the head coach of the U.S. men's national team, like the direct representation of America, the U.S. men's national team, and now you want him as your head coach, if there is truth to this. Because mm -hmm. there's always that side of it where, well, we have somebody in line who's dragging their feet, so let's put some pressure on him. Let's put this high-profile coach mm -hmm. in. You could say what you want about Greg Berhalter, but this is causing waves. This is making people look around at what's going on, and there are a lot of people who mm -hmm. are buying this. There are a lot of people who really think this is a possibility. Do I think there's any truth to it? 40-60. 40 mm -hmm. on the yes. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is enough for me to say, like, wow, I, I, I'm very curious about how this is going to turn out. Uh, if I were an America executive and I was trying to make the case for Burhalter here, I think what you're leaning on is specifically what he did against the Mexican national team, right? The work that he did with the U.S. men's national team against Mexico is is pretty clear. I think for me, that's the highlight of his time with the U.S., is turning that rivalry around. So I, I could see the argument there from an America executive. What do you think the response will be 
from our colleagues at ESPN down in Mexico, from the Mexican press to the potential of Greg Berhalter taking this job in Liga Mekis. I don't think it's as negative as as you think, Seb. Honestly, I've been I've been seeing a lot. Oh, mm-hmm. I've been seeing a lot of split opinions on this. Okay. I, I thought there would be much more backlash towards it. That's not been the case. You also have to come to the reality that Club America right now is 23 days without a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on their sixth or seventh option. This is like probably the seventh or eighth name that I've heard for Club America or linked to Club America in that time. Just yesterday, it was Chacho Caudet who was the head coach of Celta de Vigo with, with Luca de la Torre. And now he's in the orbit. And that was the last name that hurt. You mentioned Jarine, who was the Brazilian coach who won the gold medal in the last Olympics, who was the head coach of San Luis, who had a very good uh, playoff leg versus Club America, gave them a big scare. He seems to be the guy that's hovering in or around the orbit most realistically, but even he isn't a big name, isn't that sexy type of name. Greg Berhalter is a very intriguing name. Now, if I had to put one coach that reminds me of Greg Berhalter, mm-hmm. America's already had him, and that's Santiago uh, Solari. So Solari and Berhalter were very similar in a lot of things they did and how pragmatic they were at times. And listen, Solari was top of the league for a whole year, didn't win anything, got bounced right. when it mattered the most. And Tan Ortiz was top of the league for about a year and a half, didn't win anything, got bounced when it mattered most. Most, excuse me. So the coach coming into this is really coming into this hot potato situation with a club that isn't going to spend more than the Regios. It's not going to spend more than Monterrey, not going to spend more than Tigres, but it's going to have more pressure to actually win than those types of clubs. Can I tell you why I'm, I'm not crazy about it from an America perspective? I, I can't lean too much on the national team because all we hear is just how different the national team job is from club. And then if I look at Greg Berhalter's club experience, that's very worrisome if you're an America fan because you look at the winning percentage in Columbus, you realize he didn't win a ton. His winning percentage in the 30s, and he didn't win any titles. And we know that's a demand at Club America. And beyond that, Herc, and we talk about this all the time, there's an exigencia, there's a demand beyond winning at Club America that you must play well. If you know anything about Greg Berhalter's career, you know his first job in Europe was at Hammerby, a club in Sweden. He was let go with that job because the team didn't play attractive enough football. I'll tell you this about Hammerby, because I've actually been to one of their games. They're known as a club in Sweden that doesn't always win, but their fans are super serious, Herc, about how they play. That sounds exactly like Club America. It's not just that you win, it's how you play. His club resume, Herc, tells me that Greg Berhalter's absolutely not the guy for Club America. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Speak of Tan Ortiz's club resume before he got to Club America. But Tan Ortiz was, uh, got the job because, uh, of, a, because of his uh, situation, uh, 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 a circumstance. Speak of Santiago Solari's a resume circumstance. before he got He's to He's already Club there as, as the under-20. Okay, go ahead, Santiago Solari. Now, this is a total, this is, all right, that's different. That's different. <laughs> okay. What I'm trying to tell you, I think the times have changed. I am with you, but you. Solari at you least had big, Real Madrid on his you resume, the big, okay? B team. You the biggest, ra- <sighs> you the biggest Club America fan okay, there is, and Mexican national team fan there is, all of a sudden want to play pragmatic style with the Mexican national team because you just want to win, right? Club America hasn't been league champions in how long? I think some of those fans just want to win. Mm. So you're telling me Greg Berhalter's a pragmatist. And for the last year and a half, all I've heard is he is an idealist. He likes to play yeah, a certain way, not, play a I'm certain not way. pumping him up for Club America. Okay. We'll see. Uh, Greg Berhalter reported as of right now to be the number one option for Club America. That who is crazy. Heard, correctly yeah. points out are still waiting on hiring a manager more than three weeks after saying goodbye to Tano Ortiz.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. All right, our time for a You Got CONCACAF today's victim, Nicaragua, who were booted from the Gold Cup for use of an ineligible player. The player in question is reportedly Richard Rodriguez, a midfielder born in Uruguay who played in not just World Cup qualifying matches, but Nations League matches as well. Nicaragua out of the Gold Cup. They will be replaced by Trinidad and Tobago in Group A, where, of course, is where we find the U.S. men's national team. So Nicaragua out of the Gold Cup later this summer for use of an ineligible player, Trinidad and Tobago, taking their spots in the tournament. Speaking of the Gold Cup, the U.S. and B.J. Callahan naming their 23-player roster for the tourney later this summer. We'll start with the goalie, Sean Johnson, Gagas Lonina, and Matt Turner. Of the 23 players selected, 16 of them playing in Major League Soccer. Among those, DeAndre Yedlin, who's actually the most capped player on this list, with 78 international appearances for the United States. There are five holdovers on this group from the CONCACAF Nations League roster. A couple goalies, Matt Turner and Sean Johnson, as well as Alejandro Zendejas, Miles Robinson, and Alan Sonora. The Gold Cup starts June 24th and runs through July 16th as we see the forward group, or as Hercules Gomez would call it, the coward group <laughs> selected by BJ Callahan. Uh, Speaking of Hercules Gomez jokes. on Twitter, let's check the mentions uh, because he was uh, responding and reacting to the Gold Cup roster drop. Did we do an edit here? Yes. Uh, the forward group is interesting and not just because they've listed Julian Gressel at forward. Eight players at least that don't make much sense. Herc, eight players of the 23 that don't make sense? Tell us, who are the eight? Let me start off by saying apologies for the typo. Uh, by no means do I think any of them are cowards. Yes. Uh, but, but yeah. Uh, Freudian slip, huh? Freudian that's, what, slip. That's, what somebody, that's what somebody tweeted at me. Anyways, and I thought of you the moment I pressed tweet. Oh, Sebi's really? going to use this. Sebi, <laughs> no. Sebi mm-hmm. and Beto, producer oh. Beto, are plotting right now to use this. Uh, that list has gone from eight to six because we find out that, like, for example, Mark McKenzie separated his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanner Tessman, who would have been an option for me after a very good season. I believe he's getting married. Congratulations to the big man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chum Chat, those guys, we love them. Uh, but there are some players on here who just don't make sense to me. And I, we can go through the list, but Jordan Morris, for example, he's gone cold the last few months. You take players 
when they're in good moment. Jordan Morris isn't in good moment. I think he'll tell you that himself. Christian Roldan is coming off a concussion protocol that he's been on for the last like two and a half months. I'm trying to go through the list as well. Uh, Sean Johnson uh, as, as the third goalkeeper. I love Sean Johnson, Sean John, but I don't need to see him again. I don't need you to identify Sean Johnson who probably won't play because Matt Turner's here. Gaga Solonina can back him up fine, put another third goalkeeper there. I don't need that. Aaron Long, not having a very good season. Uh, hasn't really been the same player since that Achilles injury. You don't need to identify Aaron Long or see what he's about in another B tournament. He doesn't need to be there. Julian Gressel, there's so many outside backs here. He doesn't need to be there either. Uh, what else are we talking about? Um, and then I'll leave you with this, okay? BJ Callahan was anointed head coach or interim coach to the interim coach of the U.S. men's national team. When that decision was made by the U.S. Soccer Federation, what they told us immediately was these two tournaments don't matter. The results do not matter. Nations League doesn't matter, and Gold Cup does not matter. If that was the case, you wouldn't put a coach that in his 20-plus years in this field as a coach has never been the man, has only been an assistant coach, He's never been a head coach at any level with no playing career to fall back on on pressure moments. I know what this moment is like. No, he doesn't have that either. So what you're saying is this tournament is not important. If that's the case and it's a throwaway tournament, okay, because it's not your strongest team and we understand why, circumstantial. You're not going to ask players in the U.S. Men's National Team to stick around for six weeks. It's going to be career suicide on many levels, right? But if that's really the reason, then you have an upcoming Olympic Games. Use this as a platform, as an opportunity to get a core group of players together that will be the core of the Olympic squad. Reward maybe some of those U-20 players moving forward for this Olympic Games, but you didn't do that. You're trying to identify players that don't need to be identified. You're trying to win a tournament with these players that you yourself have said is insignificant, and I don't understand that. Mm. Boy, you know what the one thing that jumped out to me is this looks like a Greg Berhalter roster. I know that BJ Callahan has said, you know, that they have communications, but then no way is Berhalter influencing this. But it just feels like this is a roster chosen by a guy who has spent a lot of time with Greg Berhalter and probably, Herc, to your point about form, like some of these choices seem outdated. Gianluca Busio, a year ago, a year and a half ago, if you would have called him in, it would have made sense. I don't know that based on form now, you would say Busio has, has earned this, this call up. And there's a bunch of guys like that. You go Aaron Long, you can go a, a few names on this list. But the one thing that really makes me feel like this is a Greg Berhalter list, Herc, is there's once again, no John Brooks. No John Brooks. I mean, this guy is a, is a Bundesliga starter. We're now into wow. the clearly, no, no, he is. No, no, he no, is. no, 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 I'm not disputing. I'm just reacting my head to no John Brooks. Yeah, I mean, no John Brooks. And so, you know, you look at the center back pool and you say, uh, this is a guy who we do need to reevaluate, even though he's old. The other players, you can say, hey, you know, we don't need to reevaluate. We've gotten a recent look at them. You haven't gotten a recent look at John Brooks. He's a starting left-footed center back in the Bundesliga, and you're not calling him in. So that, to me, out of all the omissions here, is the biggest head-scratcher. Well, you know what they say, Seb. A, a guy like John Brooks, who isn't known or a known commodity to his team, he really needs to prove himself there. So we're allowing him that mm. opportunity. So mm. good on the U.S. Soccer Federation, B.J. Callahan, to allow John Brooks that opportunity to win his spot, even though Pellegrino Matarazzo has told us how important he is to Hoffenheim. And even though this man's already played, oh, and by the way, scored a World Cup goal. Yeah. So 
Take that for what it's worth. And 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 throw all that stuff aside. Just compare his form to like Aaron Long's form right now, and it's really hard to understand how how Brooks isn't getting called in. So we look at the roster, Herc. What do we say? Uh, five carryovers from the Concacaf Nations League team, and two of them are going to be goalies. What is your expectation then for this roster? Where are you going to set the bar for Gold Cup that you think this team can achieve? Unfortunately, that depends on the Canadian national team because we know how strong the Mexican okay. national team will be. They're not. Let's say I mean, Canada brings their best. Let's say Canada and Mexico bring their best. What's your expectation? Whoo! Semifinal. That's my expectation. If Canada and Mexico, yeah, this is a B. This is a B squad. The, the, the crazy thing here, the ironic thing here, is all those people when I said that last Gold Cup was a C team, was a mm -hmm. C squad. Look at this team. This is a B. This is a stronger squad, right? And they won with that C team. I don't see a scenario where they repeat winning with the C team. I think a full strength Canadian squad does very well against this U.S. Men's National Team. I think a full strength Mex Mexican squad does very well against this. Uh, U.S. men's national team, and whatever the key is, or, or, or the the group stage, or however the bracket points out, a semifinal uh, would be where I would think they bare minimum for them. But if they get to a final and compete, I, I'd be happy with that. But you can't ask much of this U.S. men's national team. Well, I, just got, I gotta take my umbrella out. Sacar el paraguas here. We're, Wait, setting the bar, me, I... we're setting the bar at semifinals for the Hold U.S. On. at the Gold Cup. Hold wow. On. Wait, can I ask you a question? Yes, go on. You think this B team beats your Mexico team? No, I don't. Not, a, not, not Mexico's full team. No. Shouldn't. You, you just know, said. It happened you... over 90 minutes, but no. Your mic, put your mic on. You just told me, you just told me that Mexico and Canada are sending their full team. Yeah. Okay. No, I... I agree with you. I, I bet if we got <laughs> if we got betting, do hey, but you're the US me. you're the US men's national team former player, dude. You so? can't set the bar. You can't so? set the bar at the semifinals. That That's not my you can't job set the bar to be at the semifinals. That's not my job to be a fan and come out with a jersey on. Uh semifinals are bust for the US at the Gold Cup. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Eric, let's talk Major League Soccer. Recap the uh, weekend that was, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start with something on a high note. Alan Pulido getting a brace of Sporting Kansas City. Hammered Austin FC. Do you know how long it's been since Alan Pulido scored in back-to-back -back games? How long, Hercules? <laughs> June 2021. Two years, bro. Two years! Good to see him back. Player of the match day. Don't call it a comeback, but Sporting Kansas City. Nice little turnaround. Trouble, meanwhile, for Austin FC. Speaking of trouble, LAFC, what's going on? They lost and lost big time over the weekend, Herc. Not one, not two, not three, but four nothing to Ben Olsen's Houston Dynamo. Yeah, uh, congrats to Ben Olsen. He's changing that program around there. Still, nobody goes to the stadium. You told me it'd be full with that career, but they're doing better. Just can't get people in the stands. Wow. And, and LAFC. Hating on Houston. This is supposed to be talking bad about LAFC. Oh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. LAFC, four straight without a win. Mm. And here's the worst. They've got two games a week until League's Cup start, and then it's like three games a week. <laughs> mm. 
Schedule gonna be tough. Maybe a little bit of that CONCACAF Champions League final defeat hangover still looming for Steve Chirundolo and LAFC as they lose big time to the Houston Dynamo over the weekend. To the ugly, Herc. Ah, we now know what we initially feared. Javier Chicharito Hernandez likely to miss the rest of the season after suffering a torn ACL in the Open Cup. Yeah, it's an option year. Serious doubts about him returning. He's not going to be back this season. I, I just really hope that this isn't the last we see of Javier Hernandez, a legendary career in CONCACAF. I'm actually positive this isn't the last time we see him on the field. Chicharito, done for the season with the LA Galaxy after a knee injury there in the Open Cup. Wish him the best for a speedy recovery. At least some bit of good news for the Galaxy. Got a point against St. Louis, who of course is atop the Western Conference, at least for the moment, dragging them out of the cellar of the Western Conference table, even there on points with Herc's beloved Colorado Rapids. Summer transfer window heating up, and so are the rumors around Inter-Miami, specifically Jordi Alba to Inter-Miami. According to Fabrizio Romano, Alba close to joining Inter-Miami later this season. Could it be Alba, Sergio Busquets, Luis Suarez, all joining Lionel Messi on South Beach? Herc, it sounds like something's coming to South Beach. Is this dream team approach the way to go for Inter-Miami? Oh, yeah. Not just for Inter-Miami, for, for Major League Soccer. I would say the success of Messi in Major League Soccer hinges on Inter-Miami being a show. Okay. Being showtime. Being successful. So whatever you need to do to make MLS competitive, because mm -hmm. in making Inter-Miami competitive, allowing them to try to be competitive with more money, these dumb roster rules and reg regulations, uh, the DP rule, increasing that, the salary cap, whatever the case may be, whatever you need to do to allow them to try to be competitive will allow other teams to do the same. Major League Soccer will be better for it. This experiment can only work if Inter and Messi are successful. I don't care how big of a star Messi is, if he's not successful on the field, if Inter right. are not successful, this experiment does not work. I guess the question is then, is this the best way to rebuild a team around Lionel Messi to make them successful? I agree with you that of course, Inter-Miami needs to be successful for you to maximize what Messi could be. But we have seen super teams, specifically right now, I'm thinking of Toronto FC, big investment and hasn't necessarily worked out those big stars on the field. Is this how you would actually rebuild Inter-Miami to make them MLS competitive right away? Well, there's no other way. I mean, because doing it the organic way is going to take time, right? The yeah. academy, that'll take time. Interleague uh, dealings, that's going to take time. Uh, the only way is to throw money at it right now and get talent on the field and bringing together Messi and friends. Listen, listen, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there going to say, like, I didn't sign up to watch Jordi Alba, Luis Suarez, and then the rest, be it interim. But I will sign up for Messi. I will mm -hmm. sign up to see them play with Messi. I want to see Messi and his friends take on the rest of the league. I want to see how far that can go. And I reiterate, I repeat, this hinges on Inter-Miami being successful, mm -hmm. on Messi being successful. Mm -hmm. David Beckham, the David Beckham years, yes, there were two championships. There was a run of glory for the LA Galaxy. Do you remember the first year and a half? 
Yes, of course. Do you remember how bad they were? Yeah. You cannot allow that to happen. That cannot happen here. You need to, out of the gates, come swinging. All right, so let's see what uh, Inter-Miami do. Big summer ahead for David Beckham's team down on South Beach. Jordi Alba, look at his statistics. Uh, for Barcelona last season, one of the latest names to be rumored for joining Lionel Messi in Major League Soccer. regular season perfect time to call on our friend Jeff Kasuf. You can find his writing at ESPN.com as well as EqualizerSoccer.com. Jeff, welcome back to Football Americas. Great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like we just did that season opening segment and here we are halfway. Here we are, 11 of 22. All right, so let's give out, I don't want to say mid-season awards, maybe mid-season superlatives because there's some good and there's some bad. Let's yeah. start with the positive. I'll make Herc ask all the difficult questions mm. here. Uh, so far, what's been the best surprise for you in, in an uh, in a positive sense here in the 2023 NWSL campaign? Yeah, I think you look at the struggles last year that Gotham and Washington had, and those are obvious, right? But I think one that we have to talk about is the Orlando Pride. And I think you can look and say an eighth-place team is surprisingly good, and, and actually they are. I mean, obviously the result over the weekend, picking up a really, I mean, historic in some ways for them, result over the Portland Thorns, a team that, you know, thrashed them 4-0 in this the season opener, right? So um, this is a team that a lot of people expected to be pretty bad. Um, this year, anyway, they had some pieces. It was going to take time to put together, and, and they've been better than expected so far early in the season at the halfway point. I think they put together obviously some very good results, but even in the results they've dropped, they've actually shown some real promise in terms of how they've kept the ball, how they've defended against some some objectively better teams. So uh, I think there's been a lot of promise there, both in the results, which are decent, obviously, you know, lower end of the middle table, not amazing, but better than expected. And I think that they've actually showed some real promise in how they're possessing and, and how they're playing in a way that, Frankly, we haven't seen from this franchise almost ever. Hmm. All right, that's a positive. Let's go to the other side of the spectrum. I needed you to tell me who's the biggest disappointment. But most importantly, Jeff, can your biggest disappointment turn it around? Can they save mm -hmm. the season? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, look, the, the bottom three are, are obvious, right, in different ways. I think Chicago, you expected to to maybe struggle. There's a lot happening still off the field with the team for sale. Um, Angel City, I think, is, is worse than expected, certainly, but not necessarily a team that we expected to contend. But you look at the Kansas City current, bottom of the table at the halfway point they were a finalist they made the championship last year obviously lost to portland you know they they won by a lot of fine margins last year i mean a goal difference of zero you know there, there were some indicators there that maybe they had some things bounce their way but this season they've been horrendous defensively quite frankly and and some of that has been some injuries certainly but you look at the kansas city current a team that made the championship then goes out in the offseason makes the biggest offseason acquisition with dabinia lancer through free agency add some more free agents with 
uh, Vanessa DiBernardo, Morgan Gatra, and a lot of high expectations around this team, and they've not gotten it done. Can they turn it around? I mean, frankly, it's going to be tough. I don't see them turning around to the degree that that they get back to a championship. Playoffs, even, you know, at this point, halfway, you look at the gap there, uh, eight points to, to the playoff line. Teams above them look a lot better. I mean, if they can't figure it out defensively, and we haven't seen a lot of reason to believe that they can at the moment, and and just frankly, their depth is not there. Um, I, I think it's going to be really tough. I think they can pull off the bottom of the table, but I don't know if this is a playoff team, and that's certainly a shocking thing to to say with the expectations that surrounded this team entering the season. Some of those expectations came from this show. I picked them to uh, <laughs> to win it all. Just saying, just saying. I, I think Angel City's up there in terms of disappointment as well. I know for a yeah, lot of the folks absolutely. on our production team, they're they're pretty disappointed in in what we've seen so far from Angel City. Let's talk about MVP, right? Sophia Smith is the reigning MVP, but she's going to the World Cup, so unlikely that she's going to be able to repeat uh, at the midseason point. Jeff, who's your MVP? Yeah, I think a lot of, look, you can look at the top of the Golden Boot race, and, and I think any of those, right? Caroline, I think Sophia Smith, again, is, is in that conversation. But, you know, you look at the V in that is what I've been saying lately, and, and the value to teams. I think Lynn Williams going to Gotham has been one. But really, I think Savannah DeMello needs needs a shout here. And it's, it's a player who, you know, maybe isn't necessarily on everybody's radar in terms of being at the national team level yet, obviously uncapped. Um, but what she does for Louisville, and again, you know, I, I think if this were the end of the season, she'd have the individual case for this, right? And then maybe we'd be saying, okay, can can an MVP be on a ninth place team? I think if they're playing that well, yeah, sure. And and certainly Savannah DeMello, I mean, you look at what she does to create goals, she obviously scores them, what she does to dominate the midfield off of the ball. Um, I think she's just been really the total package for racing Louisville. Um, you know, international career, that'll be the next phase, whether that's you know, a little bit longer term or not, we'll see. But, you know, the way that she's played, uh, just everything. I mean, you look at it statistically, once again, is is you see um, fouls committed, fouls suffered. She's in the mix every time. She's scoring these golosos. She's scoring from set pieces. And, and really, I would say her vision for the game. I mean, she's got an ability to see the game, whether that is in the high press where she chases down a goalkeeper and scores off a deflection, or that is that final killer ball. Um, I think she's really done it all for Louisville. And I'm interested to see, obviously, Louisville as a team needs to up their performances a bit. They've been inconsistent. I think you start to see racing in that playoff picture and Savannah DeMello continuing to play how she is where she has so far. And she's going to have a really strong case come the end of the season. Sophia Smith is what your boy predicted for MVP of the season. Just want to reiterate, uh, Sebastian Salazar did pick the current, Kansas City current, <laughs> as his championship team. All right. Uh, listen, obviously, it's a long way to go here, Jeff. There's still a lot of season to play. Sort of bottleneck at the top. Uh, six teams within one win, three points of the NWSL lead. Uh, who's your favorite right now if you had to pick? Yeah, if I had to pick, I would say the spirit, the Washington spirit, on the, on the grounds of, of this, I think – you look at the leadership element, right? You've got Mark Parsons in charge now, um, and, and he's obviously been through this. He's won championships. I think you certainly have the talent there, even if you're losing some of it to the World Cup, obviously. Much of the World Cup schedule uh, for the NWSL is the Challenge Cup, which is is not you know impacting the regular season. So, you know, I look at what Trinity Rodman's doing. I look at Ashley Hatch. I mean, again, could be in the MVP conversation with, with what she's done, not only the goal scoring, but has found an element of, of playmaking as well as she drops deeper, um, you know, and then Defensively, I mean, Sam Staub set the record for consecutive starts in the league. I think they've got a lot to like there. The diamond midfield has worked as, as old school as it may seem. And, 
you know, I, I think certainly there are good shouts that we've seen the thorns. They've struggled a little bit lately. They've been inconsistent, at least, is the better way to put it. And I think there's some question marks there defensively, even in, you know, throughout the rest of the season. San Diego, joint top of the table, has looked good. I'm impressed with them. In, in again, the same as last year, the way that they can control a game off of the ball. But I think that they'll have some challenges as well. And I think you look at the spirit and, you know, the talents there, the coaching is there, as it is in other places. But, um, you know, I, I like the season that they put together. They are ahead of schedule by their own admission, I think by what a lot of us thought. So again, a positive surprise there, but um, you know, I think that trends well for them heading into the second half of the season. Happy over here huh, to get that KC pick wrong. If it means that the Washington spirit are going to bring another title back to the nation's capital. Before we let you go, Jeff, I got to ask about the situation with Alex Morgan. Um, she, she, she didn't play in San Diego's game against Louisville. She wasn't listed on the injury report before the game. Then we get the explanation from San Diego manager Casey Stoney, which kind of take a shot at Louisville's playing surface. Uh, amid all that, the internet sleuths were out. They found out that Alex Morgan was at a, a Taylor Swift concert. Um, I don't really think that the Taylor Swift concert is the story. That's the headline. But what has been the reaction to Casey Stoney kind of taking a shot at Louisville's field is the explanation for why Morgan didn't play. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You guys do the the something, nothing, everything, right? I mean, I think the concert part of this is nothing, right? I mean, that was pre-planned. It wasn't even. I, I didn't know this. I had to do a little research because I'm not a, I'm not up on my Taylor Swift tour dates. But it was the day <laughs> after, anyway. Yes. And and Morgan spoke about that as um, you know months ago as on a podcast about planning that. So I do think you know the field. I think to call it notoriously bad is is certainly an overstatement and, and hyperbola. Um, you know, this is the, the thing is San Diego played in Louisville once last year, and it was at a time when uh, there was a concert, I think, right before they played. So the the field was a little bit patchy. But overall, that is a very good field. It's a soccer specific stadium. It's well kept. It's the grounds are well maintained. So, you know, I, I think it was probably um, I think you could easily classify it as an unnecessary shot. You know, I do think in terms of. The, the, the most productive conversation out of this, I think, is the availability report and and what does that mean and what should it be? And, you know, not even specific to San Diego, but I, I think and not even specific to the availability report. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. I think the league, I know the league from covering it has a real information problem at times. And, you know, I think that's it. Right. Is is the confusion is was she was she carrying an injury? Was she not available? Was she there? Um, that's, that's a bigger picture question where we're in a league where, you know, we've got rules that we're told exist, but we can't see them. Right. And, and I think there's a transparency thing there that is a conversation that, that bleeds into an availability report. And, and I think that's probably my big takeaway from this is just, you know, there are simple things we should know in this league. And I think this probably qualifies for them. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the concert part, is is whatever i think she's got a right to do that but i, I think it's you know a, a conversation around what we know and what we don't in this league and and when it matters is is a really a productive one that that should be had sammy yeah do you go ahead Hurt. I, i'm impressed jeff managed to in one single segment give us a something nothing or everything a get lost <laughs> and a shots fired there we go that's why he's the best uh, jeff kasu if you can catch his work at espn.com equalizersoccer.com as well jeff great to have you with us here on football americas Thanks for having me. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. Herc, before we get out of here, show us what you're wearing, man. That, that's a beautiful Ooh, jersey. You guys remember Davor Sucker? I know you're Las Vegas native now, by the yes. way. Davor! Oh, really? I'll see, you, I'll see you tomorrow, Davor. Yeah, you that's don't know right. that? I got that's my right. man on speed dial, by the way. Okay. Not All a right. joke. Uh, for, my, for my friends in Portland, shout out to the 442 Soccer Pub. I think it's closed, but a legendary haunt there. 
uh, in downtown Portland. You wouldn't know about that, Sounders boy. All right, uh, Thursday, Stay we're weird, back Sammy. on before the game. USA-Mexico, big preview show Thursday right here on ESPN+. And then Friday, we'll be back on our normal time to, to recap the semis and when look ahead land. to the finals. We'll see you then.